Welcome to A Podcast Runs Through It. We're coming from Soundcolor Studios in Livingston, and we're covered with snow. And considering the time of year, I don't think anybody's happy about it. But I'm Nelson King. Next to me is Dixie Hart. You made it in today. It wasn't difficult. But uh, we're here to interview Kim Dudick, who is running for Attorney General of the state, state Attorney General. And it's part of our series of interviewing candidates so that people have a chance to hear in their own words and without any specific time limit what they feel about issues and what their role would be in a given office. So without any other introduction, I'd bring you Kim Dudick. Well, we're here again in this afternoon. We're Today we're going to be interviewing Kim Dudick, and she is running for Attorney General of the state, State Attorney General, which if you're not familiar with that office, I suggest everybody do a little bone up on what State Attorneys General do. I think Kim will explain a bit too, um, but we want to emphasize that this is an important office. It's a statewide office, has a lot of influence on not only legal issues, but many other kinds of issues as well. Kim, why don't you, you know, introduce yourself and... Well, thank you for having me here. I'm happy to be on this show and to talk to people about me and this race and why it's important to them. So I'm Kimberly Dudick. I'm running for Montana Attorney General. And that is the position of the Chief Law Enforcement Officer of our state. It is in charge of um, enforcing state agencies, their, their regulations, providing legal opinions. If it comes to that, there is an Office of Consumer Protection that protects the rights of citizens of our state. It oversees the county attorneys to make sure that our laws are being enforced and people are being protected. And it's also a position on the state's land board. So it deals, it's one of those five statewide positions dealing with access to our public lands. And I'm running for that position because I've been with people through the toughest times of their life as a prosecutor at the county level as well as at the state level. And I've also seen their hardest times when I was a registered nurse and domestic violence advocate. I notice like when people are, are having hard times when they are in trauma and when they're hurting. And now I want to work to prevent harm from happening in the first place. And that's why I'm running. I have a proven record of delivering results for Montanans that matter. And I hope to continue doing that as Attorney General for our state. Mm -hmm. What was your, I could call it, life journey getting to this point? Um, so I'm from Montana. I'm you know, proudly raised here, grew up in Frenchtown. And I you know, had a great childhood. I was in 4-H, rode horses, rode bikes on dirt roads, everything that makes Montana great. And I worked as, a, before I was an attorney, I became a nurse. I graduated from Montana State University, specializing as a nurse in neonatal intensive care. I cared for sick and premature infants and saw a lot of um, need there and saw a real access into our medical system and what it means for people to need medical care that they can afford and that really provides for their health. At the same time, I was working as a domestic violence advocate, so I saw a lot of trauma there and a lot of the domestic violence we see in our state that hurts people, families, children. And I decided at that point I wanted to do more to help my communities. Um, I'd been a nurse, traveled to Africa, and I saw what it really meant to not have any sort of social welfare system to help people, which is what I saw in Kenya when I was there. And I came back working as a nurse and realized I wanted to do more to help people. And I thought a, a way I could do that was becoming an attorney 
And when I was in law school, I fell in love with enforcing our laws as a prosecutor, making sure that people follow the laws that we've all decided are the rules we mm -hmm. live by. It keeps us safe, um, keeps crime down, stops people from being harmed. And I did that after graduation for a few years as a prosecutor in Bozeman. Um, before that, actually, after I graduated, I clerked for our Supreme Court as a Supreme Court law clerk in Helena, so I saw from the very top level what it means to enforce our laws in our state. I then worked as a deputy county attorney, enforcing our laws, especially protecting children. It's always been my passion to make sure kids are safe, and so I did that as a deputy county attorney, and then went on to do it as an assistant attorney general under Steve Bullock when he was our attorney general. And I specialized in protecting kids and you said, why did I become a politician? Well, I never thought I would become a politician. I'm actually a private person and don't really like being in the spotlight at all. But I found that I saw there was problems with our legal system and too many kids were being killed. Our laws that were supposed to be protecting them were not working. When I, I have four children of my own, and they're the reason I'm doing this. I want to make sure kids are safe and that we provide a healthy state for them in the future. But when I was on maternity leave with my second child, another child that was about her age, a little baby, involved in the child welfare system was returned to its parents. And within days, the child was dead because of a failure in our system to really protect that kid. And at that point, I realized I needed to do more because the laws that I was enforcing weren't working. So I left my position as an attorney general, assistant attorney general and I've been serving the citizens of our state as a legislator for the past eight years. So I've had a million of the best bosses in the world talking to people, hearing from them about how we can make our state safer. I've been doing that and at the same time had my own law practice, specifically working on protecting crime victims and making sure kids are safe. And now I'm running for attorney general after serving in the legislature for eight years bringing people together, representing all Montanans and fighting for justice in our state, making it safer and getting some really key reforms done, which we can talk about. And I wanna continue doing that as attorney general to fight for the people of our state and make it a safer place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have an interesting blend of kind of a humanitarian background and switching over to legal, which most people don't associate with humanitarian. Um, can you, you know, what about yourself? What is in your personality? let you do that kind of transition, you know. Uh, I gather it was basically because of your, your experience with kids who got hurt and, and situations that you dealt with in a, yeah, and as a nurse in a practical, you know, they came into the hospital, they came into the clinic, and you could see they were hurt. Uh, so you have a personal contact there. But what, what, what brought that transition from a, um, I guess you could say, a nursing care to legal point of view, you know, um, well, I think both of them are focused on helping people in need. And that's really what I found to be my passion in life. It probably started when I was a candy striper in high school, quite truthfully, and in 4-H. And I was in Key Club, and we did all of these humanitarian things to help people. So I've always, uh, I've always thought that we have a duty to help our other citizens and help people. When we can, we should. And so when I found myself being a nurse, I saw that I could help these babies where I was at, but I was within four walls. There was limited number of patients we had, and mm -hmm. I saw there were a lot of other problems that actually hurt and could lead to harm for these children that we couldn't control, like drug use by the parents, um, domestic violence, all of those things that I was seeing also at my time as a domestic violence advocate that I had no control over. 
you, you can be there to help people, to offer them assistance. But really what I saw is we needed to make some fundamental changes in our systems, which I still believe we need to do, and make a systems-wide change to really make our state safer. So I wanted to be able to do more. I just, and at the time, I could either go to law school or medical school were the two, the two things I saw. But I wanted to be able to help larger populations. So as a doctor, I could help, help one patient at a time, which a guy I could already do as a nurse. But I wanted to be able to change our communities to make them safer, to pass reforms to our human trafficking laws, which I've done, to stand up to corporations who are polluting our environment, which I've done, and to make our policies better so that it affects all the million people in our state, not just those individual patients that mm -hmm. I was dealing with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, maybe you can transition from there into some of the issues that you're mostly interested in. I mean, obviously, in your job, you're going to get virtually everything that happens in the state in terms of legal and social and whatever. Um, but for you personally, which ones? I, I know, for example, that you're quite interested in what are generally called women's issues, but also Native American issues, um, child rights issues, things like that. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny when people call them women's issues or child's rights issues. They're issues that affect all of our communities. We are either a woman or a man or you find yourself somewhere in between, but we're all people. And so the violence against any one person is really violence against all of us, and it has spiderweb impacts throughout our community. I mean, the ripple effects are everywhere. So what I see as violence issues are primarily against those who are disadvantaged, who have historically been disadvantaged either in pay or in lack of resources. So we're talking about violence against women. Well, women didn't have the right to vote until well into the last century and they couldn't own property. They, they still have challenges to the right to bodily autonomy and whether or not they can access their reproductive health care. So you can call them women's rights issues, but they're really human rights issues and equality for everyone. So I've been a strong supporter of uh, it, the right to privacy in Montana, which is enshrined in our Constitution. Article 2, Section 10 says we all have the right to privacy, and that includes women's right to reproductive health care. So I'm a staunch supporter of that right. I'm concerned with what I'm seeing nationally, rollbacks in other states on women's right to access the full range of reproductive health care. And I think that in Montana, although we have that right to privacy in our Constitution, it doesn't mean there haven't been challenges every single session I've been in the legislature to that right. So I'm concerned about what that would mean to half of the population of our state if we start having legislators or lawmakers really invading their privacy in their bedroom or into their home or into their health care provider's office with them. No woman or no individual needs to have a legislator making decisions about their health care. And I think that that's a fundamental right that goes to everyone. Um, but as far as children's rights, that's something I'm very passionate about. Children are vulnerable. They can't defend themselves. I mean, I have, I have four kids right there. My daughter actually turns, my older one turns nine tomorrow. They're 11, soon to be nine, five and two. And the two-year-old, I mean, he can barely walk. He can't tie his shoes. My 11-year-old has problems with that too, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> but they can't defend themselves. And so we as, you know, we're the grown-ups here. As adults, we have a duty to make sure we provide them with a safe environment. We need to make sure our laws protect them that we aren't letting corporations hurt them, but also that we aren't letting those in positions of authority hurt them. For example, uh, this last legislative session, we were finally able to do away with the criminal statute of limitations for people who sexually abuse children, so that somebody who now does that can no longer circle a date on their calendar saying that they won't be held accountable for those actions that really ruin that child's life. 
after that date. So That's we did kind of away with national that. trend on that, isn't it? It is a national trend on it. We rolled back the criminal statute and we lengthened the civil statute. And the difference there is that if somebody is prosecuted criminally, it means that the county attorney is involved and they, if found guilty, can be fined and sent to jail or prison. But if you have a civil lawsuit, it's usually the victim suing the perpetrator of the crime. And, and I've done a lot of those in my time as an attorney. And they're suing usually for monetary damages because of that person's actions has harmed them, caused them to go to counseling, caused them to have physical problems. And so there's two different ways to sue and hold somebody accountable. We did great progress criminally, but we still have a ways to go on the civil realm. So, I mean, those are things I care about. And I think we should all care about. This is... We're, we, we only have a limited time on this planet, and we're passing off to the next generation. We have a duty to make sure they're safe, and we're making them safe and healthy citizens. So as an attorney general, obviously you're going to get cases that you have to deal with that are in these areas and subjects like that. Uh, what is your responsibility as an attorney general of the state to work with the legislature, for example, or the governor or, you know, um, I know I'm assuming you don't initiate legislation, but are you called in for that kind of thing or counseling? So, or Actually, your assumption is wrong. Um, the all, So the attorney general is one of the statewide elected independent positions in our state. Uh, they should work with the other ones, but, you know, it's really up to each person. However, the attorney general can bring when the legislature convenes every other year in those odd numbered years for four months, a package of legislation that they want the legislature to pass. And they will um, find legislators to introduce the legislation. They will provide witnesses to testify in favor of the legislation and they will try to get it to pass. What I've done as a legislator is I've worked with Tim Fox, our current attorney general, and we passed some key human trafficking legislation. It's modern day slavery where people, including children, are being basically sold either for sex or they're being forced to work without pay. And it's, it's disgusting what happens in our state. And unfortunately with social media and the internet, it's made it worse. We're along the I-90 corridor and you can really track when these children are being trafficked from one place to another. So I worked with our current attorney general and we reformed our human trafficking laws and it was because of a bill that his office helped write, and then that I introduced for them. So we worked in concert together to deal, to pass this policy changes. And then at the same time, I have done other legislation on my own, like dealing with child identity theft, um, trying to stop children's identity from being stolen by frequently family members and their credit ruined so they can't get into college or they can't get a house or a car, trying to stop that. But also dealing with other things like the child sexual abuse I talked about, we bring forward this legislation, and then the attorney general can come in and support it or oppose it if the attorney general doesn't agree with it. So in that way, the attorney general's office can and should be working with the legislature to pass good policy for the citizens of our state. Now, I'd imagine most people do not understand you do then have an advocacy role, right? Yeah. I mean, you can actually work on things that you want, that you think need to be addressed. So when you tell us you have issues with how things are run, you can actually affect that as a state attorney general. Right. Yeah. So you can affect it not only passing legislation, but also the attorney general has a role as an advocate for the state. Um, right now, there are different education campaigns going on, maybe dealing with prescription drug abuse, uh, non-prescription drug abuse, 
human trafficking education, and those are things that are ongoing outside of the legislature where the attorney general can go around educating people um, and trying to change policy but not through the legislature. Some of the emerging issues we're seeing is we have an aging population in Montana. We have more people aging up than we have in the lower levels, and we need to look at elder abuse issues, financial exploitation, how do we make sure that our, our, our older citizens aren't taken advantage of, but if they need a guardian to help them, what if they don't have any family members? And how do we make sure our system is safe for them? And those are some things we've tried to work on in the legislature, but more work needs to be done there to protect that population. And it's the same with our veteran population. They're at specific risk for different types of fraud, for different sorts of exploitation, even just trying to help them access the healthcare system that we have and make sure that they are not being taken advantage of. That's a role that the Attorney General can be more active in and take it on as initiatives to make sure we're protecting our veterans, protecting our elderly. In general, um, you're one person. As, how big is the staff of the attorney, State Attorney General in oh, general? It, um, it's, hundreds, it's hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. And while the Attorney General is one person, they have many bureaus under them and, and many staff to carry out the um, programs that they want. They oversee the uh, crime lab, so the state crime lab that processes different evidence from crimes, that also does autopsies. It oversees the Department of Criminal Investigation, so they deal with a lot of human trafficking issues and drug interdiction, which is when you try to take drugs off the street. You oversee even the Department of Motor Vehicles, so that helps with our driving, but also that can help with voting rights. We can institute some automatic voter registration there so people don't have to go and figure out where to register to vote. You can just do it when you get your driver's license. And so there are different ways the Attorney General's office can really help and make our lives easier. We, the Attorney General can even help us pay less taxes, quite truthfully. I've done a lot of work in criminal justice reform. Um, I helped reform the public defender system, trying to make it so we provide people an avenue out of the criminal justice system, because frequently they get stuck in these cycles where they just can't seem to get out of it. And so we're trying to get them help for mental health issues or chemical dependency issues, housing issues. And if we can actually save money through criminal justice reform and stopping the meth problems we see in our state, our tax dollars won't have to go to building more prisons and jails and for keeping more people incarcerated because we'll actually have a healthier population with even more citizens available to work. So in, in that way, the Attorney General can have broad-reaching impacts in areas that people don't necessarily even think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it seems like you, you actually do have a big enough staff, not necessarily personal, but other agencies that you work with them. I'm assuming you feel comfortable working with a variety of people in a variety of different agencies and you know it uh, you'd have to and be able to do the job at all I think right um, well I feel comfortable doing it and I've been doing it for the last eight mm -hmm. years in the legislature you know representing citizens figuring finding the problems that we have collaborating with all Montanans from all over and finding common solutions that deliver real results for Montanans that's what I've done mm -hmm. and that's what I, I plan to continue doing as Attorney General mm -hmm. now you mentioned reform and I can tell from the way you talk about it, you have an eye for that. And at, right now, what would you prioritize as the things you see needing, needing reform um, in this state particularly? But um, 
Well, I think there's a lot of areas of reform, and I think that it's something I've done a lot of during my time as a policymaker and that we need to do more of. Unless everyone's happy with the status quo, which I don't know who is truly happy with that, I think we need change. We need to move our state forward, and I think that things change. I'll give you some examples of just my time serving the people of Montana. When I started in the legislature, we had uh, legal medical marijuana, which I fully support. I think that as a nurse, we used when I used to take care of small premature babies who were about 25 weeks gestation, that means they'd only been in the mother's belly for 25 weeks. When they come out early, sometimes they quit breathing. So we would give them liquid cocaine to kind of jumpstart their system so that they would breathe. And at the same time, this liquid cocaine would give them, we couldn't do anything you can't even touch marijuana, not that we would for babies, but as a government or even doctors, they couldn't even discuss it. So it never made sense to me. Cocaine's okay, but we can't even act like marijuana exists, and it's just an herb. So that never made sense to me. So we have legalized medical marijuana now, but there was always pushback against that. However, this last legislative session, we've done some reforms along the way. We just legalized allowing people out on probation to also use medical marijuana. And there was virtually no opposition to that. And I can tell you, eight years ago, that wasn't the case. But you're seeing these changing norms where things are changing and people realize that you know, our society needs to change. There needs to be reforms. To, and as far as medical marijuana goes, I've been talking with patients as well as providers. And they say our current system isn't working. The way it's done, it's not consistent. They can't, a grower then has to make the medicine that they're giving to patients, but they don't have any way to really test to make sure the dosage is always accurate. So it's not the best way to, to, to deliver medicine in the way we see it. So that, that needs to be reformed. Um, as far as whether or not that becomes recreational, I think it's up to the citizens of our state and I would work with whatever they want. But I think we'll be seeing some movement there. People are, are changing and the way they view that's changing. As far as other reforms, things I've worked on, I think we need to do more to protect our kids. We've worked on human trafficking reforms. Not enough is done yet. I think too many kids are still abused. For whatever reason, as a society, we've decided to accept that it's okay that one in five girls is sexually abused before they're 18, and that one, possibly one in six or one in 18, depending upon what statistics you look at, boys are. That's not okay to me. And I don't know why we've decided that's the baseline and we can't do anything about it. It's just like any other public health problem. I'm trained in public health, that's the way I approach everything. There are reasons these problems occur and we need to look at them and put evidence-based interventions in to stop them. Because it's not okay to me that we have too many kids getting abused like that. So I think we need to do more. And you can't you know, jail your way out of it, just like we can't jail our way out of the drug problems that we have. But we need to look at system-wide changes and what we can do to affect real change. And that's where I excel. I, I excel in finding problems, working with people to develop collaborative, innovative solutions, and then passing those to deliver real results that matter to our daily lives. Yeah, I, perhaps this isn't a fair characterization, but you seem to have an eye for detail and the step, what's often called the step analysis of things. You start here, you do this, you do this, you do this, and eventually you wind up where you want to be, mm -hmm. but you have a vision of kind of all the steps in between. I, I sense that you kind of approach problems that way. Um, yes. Is that fair enough? That's fair enough, and that's my training. I think that you have to have a goal. We all have. It's, even if you're a baker, you have to have a goal. You're going to make a pie. But my goal is to have a safer communities, and that's my vision is to have a state where children aren't abused, where people actually aren't feeling the need to abuse drugs to either deal with their untreated trauma or to escape or to deal with their other problems, and that we actually have a society that's safe. 
And that's what I'd like to see. We have too much drug use in our state, especially meth, which is hurting our communities. Everyone likes to talk, likes to talk about opioids. But let me tell you, it's meth when you talk to law enforcement they see. Since about the last six years or so, six, eight years, we've seen an over 400% increase in meth-related crimes and over a 1,000% increase in heroin-related crimes. And the problem with that is we don't have enough treatment in our state for those people who are dealing with chemical dependency issues. We have, depending upon the stats you look at, about 90,000 people with a chemical dependency issue. We have enough treatment for 10% of them. And this is yet another thing we've just decided, well, we don't have enough treatment. But that's not, to me, that shouldn't be the baseline. We need to look at what we can do to make our system actually provide the services our citizens clearly need. And we need to figure out a way to do that. Working together, you'd mentioned working together. The Attorney General should be working with the Governor should be working to, with the Department of Public Health and Human Services, working with the court system to develop more treatment courts, to develop more treatment for people who are in mental health crises or who have chemical dependency problems. Last night, actually, I chaired a forum on suicide. We're the leader in the nation for suicide. That's unacceptable to me, that we're the leader in the nation on suicide. Montana. Montana. Yeah. You know why people kill themselves? Because they're depressed. So why don't we talk about that? That is a mental health problem. You know, truly, our heads are connected to our body. It is a health problem, and that we shouldn't be talking about physical health and mental health. It's a whole person health problem, and if we have a high suicide rate, we need to look at why, and then actually get the treatment in there to deal with it. Because until we do that, our children are gonna continue killing themselves, our veterans are killing themselves, regular citizens, and we're having a high rate in rural areas, especially rural farmers possibly related to the fact that they're seeing their markets disappear, they have high debt and they don't know what to do about it. But we're ignoring these issues and although we're supposed to have a statewide suicide prevention plan, we have to put resources behind that so that there is no wrong door for somebody when they're in crises. I had the, the honor of hearing from a woman last night at this forum who lost her daughter to suicide three weeks ago. She was 18 years old and she had lost her daughter, her husband, her grandmother and another family member, all the suicide. This poor woman, and she was there and she wanted to hear from us at this forum. I tried, she says, I tried, I called everyone and everyone said, well, call someone else. And they, she couldn't find the right door. And they said, well, we'll make an appointment for your daughter, we'll see her on Tuesday. And she said by Saturday she was gone. And that is not acceptable. We have a high suicide rate. We need to look at why and provide the services regionally so people can be treated in communities and kept safe there. So those are some of the problems that the Attorney General can lead on and actually elevate the conversation about suicide, you know, about human trafficking or about child abuse, about domestic violence, these issues that impact people's lives and that we haven't addressed for long enough. You know, the Attorney General frequently, I'm just going on. So the Attorney General, um, frequently people look at things like that are really sexy, like campaign finance reform. That is important. And I've been a champion of campaign finance reform. I helped pass the Disclose Act in 2015, which brought transparency to who's spending money in our elections. And this last year, we banned foreign money in our elections, and I was part of that. And I also tried to have increased transparency. And, you know, when you get that election materials and they say, you know, two peas in a pod, you know, and they have a picture of maybe Hillary Clinton and then Jenny Eck who's running in Helena. And you're like, well, what are they talking about? What are they basing this on? Or if they say, you know, that Tom Woods hates guns, 
then what are they basing that on? They don't have to say right now. And I wanted to make them be accountable for their words and say, what are they basing that on? And that's actually permissible, but it got caught up in legal in politics and it ended up dying. But it's that kind of thing that we need to do in our elections. And I think that's important. Like I said, camp campaign finance, very important. But when you're looking at what happens to people's lives, if they aren't safe, if their children aren't safe, if they're being sexually harassed, if they're dealing with drug issues, that is what we need to focus on because that is what impacts our lives and that's what's leading to suicide rates and the other crime rates we're seeing in our state and that's what the Attorney General should be focusing on. I'm going to ask you a kind of loaded question, but obviously you believe the government is a good place to work with these issues. As I believe the government represents us. I don't think the government is a separate entity, although I sometimes get frustrated at the government. I'll admit that. The government is meant to enforce the rules that we have decided as a society to live by. And if we don't feel like the government is doing that, you can do two things. Well, you can do three things. You can do nothing and just complain. You can sit on the sidelines and tell people what to do and try and impact it that way. You could have a podcast, quite truthfully, and get the word out this way, or you can get in the ring like I'm doing and actually running for office and try and make change. So, you know, I was on the sidelines before when I was an assistant attorney general, and I was unhappy with what I saw, so I got in the ring and I've made changes, and I want to continue doing that. I think we have a duty as citizens. We live in the greatest country in the world. We need to participate or it's not our country anymore. So I think that government is a place that is supposed to help people and that that is one of the fundamental roles of it, especially... Um, I've spent the last eight years dealing with our state budget, so I know what we spend our money on, I know what works, and I know what needs to be changed. But what I see is that where we spend our money shows what our priorities are, so that shows what our government priorities are. So if we have money for treatment courts, then we're showing that we want to try and get people out of the criminal justice system and deal with their problems. If we fund social workers so they get enough pay so that they can protect our kids, then that's good too. If we fund our court system, then it provides everyone with legal recourse if they've been wronged, whether in a criminal way or if they've been wronged in a business deal. So I think that that's, that's what our government is. If you believe that our roads should be open or that we should have state parks, that's our government. And so I believe that it is valuable and I think that it's a good place to start for the citizens of our state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes, well, I, I understand where you're coming from on that and it, it's an important issue in general. Um, Let's transition a little bit to, I suppose you could say, state government to the role of a state in coordinated efforts on a national level. Now, there are a couple of ways to look at that, but the one I'm thinking of in particular is right now there are, I don't know, 17, 18 court issues that are being addressed by a consortium of states' attorneys general, if I got that right, um, who are banding together to, let's say, DACA, for example, is one of the issues, or the Amer uh, ACA, uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, usually defending some existing law or trying to get some law changed in some way. But how do you feel about these? What's the word for it? They're multi-state actions yeah. is what it's called. So a multi-state lawsuit is when more than one uh, state attorney general joins with other ones to uh, file lawsuit against usually the federal government. And so since uh, Trump, President Trump took office in 2017, there's been at least 47 multi-state lawsuits against the federal government. And you mentioned some of them. And I think one of the biggest ones we should be interested in is dealing with the Affordable Care Act. You know, as a nurse, I've seen 
that healthcare access is vitally important to people. I've seen people having to unfortunately ration their medicine because they can't afford it anymore. The dollar doesn't go as far as it used to, and we need to make sure people can afford their healthcare. So we've ha we have a loss, there's a lawsuit right now that deals with trying to stop enforcement of the Affordable Care Act because when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts became the, is basically the tax cut bill that President Trump enacted, it said that there was no longer an individual mandate that could be mandated under the Affordable Care Act. So that was the penalty that somebody would get if they didn't have health insurance. And so there is a Texas judge who found that without that individual mandate, the entire Affordable Care Act should be thrown out. And at least 20 states have filed to also throw out the Affordable Care Act because of that. I would not be one of those attorney generals doing that. And one of the reasons is because the Affordable Care Act actually provides health care for a lot of people in our state. But without the Affordable Care Act, we would also have a rollback on coverage of pre-existing conditions and even the ability to find generic drugs for really expensive drugs. So those two things in and of themselves would really hurt a lot of Montanans. As far as pre-existing conditions go, those are things like uh, getting migraines or getting pregnant, which a lot of people do. I've done it a lot. And there are other things like diabetes. What that means is if you have diabetes or if you ever have, then your insurance company could then no longer cover you. And as far as the number of diabetes in, in our state, we have over 96,000 people, Montana adults, not kids, but adults who have diabetes, but 10.9% of the population, according to the American Diabetes Association. That's 5,000 new people every year diagnosed with diabetes. All of those people could lose their health care coverage. I mean, think about who you know or your friends and neighbors with diabetes. Well, you know, they could suddenly lose coverage or cancer. Cancer, unfortunately, impacts too many of us. And that is another one that is a pre-existing condition. Cancer has, uh, there are approximately 5,900 new cancer cases every year in Montana. And probably uh, there are um, about 2,000, a little over 2,000 cancer deaths. But when you look at, it's the number one cause of death in Montana. 40% of men in their lifetime are gonna have a diagnosis of cancer. So that means those 40% could lose their health care coverage, and 38% of women will have, some, will have some sort of cancer. So those 38% of women, they could also lose their health care, on top of the ones with diabetes and all these other, even acne is a pre-existing condition. So if you have zits when you're young, I hate to tell you, you might be able to be denied health care coverage. So which, it's a problem. Which is why it's a big issue. It's a big issue. So I think that we need to make sure that the attorney general is making sure people in our state have access to affordable health care. Everyone does. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the political spectrum, how old or young you are, especially young people. We need coverage for our health care conditions. And we need to make sure it's affordable, that our prescription drugs are affordable, and that people aren't being denied access for arbitrary reasons. So that's a place where the attorney general can really be effective. Yeah, and when you talk about mental health conditions in Montana and our high suicidal rate, mental health, um, uh, pre-existing conditions uh, can be if you ever saw a psychiatrist you could be turned down mm -hmm. for health insurance um, so that's 
terrifying. Some, it's it's absolutely for yeah, a lot pretty of people, much certainly. everybody you know mm-hmm. is going to fall into into mm-hmm. one of those categories. So right. So we could all be denied our health care insurance. And that's something that the Attorney General, they oversee the Office of Consumer Protection, which means that the Attorney General needs to fight for the citizens of our state, stand up for consumers, which are us, against corporations. And this would be one of those times when the Attorney General could join in lawsuits against pharmaceutical companies. There have been some against opioid manufacturers now because of their practices getting people addicted to drugs and not fully disclosing the harms of them, that the attorney general should join in those national lawsuits. So then when there is a settlement, part of that comes to our state and then can be used for different programs. We have seen settlements in that regard, like for tobacco. So now we received a lot of money for a tobacco settlement. It goes into tobacco cessation programs and trying to help people stop if they want to, and education programs. So there's different settlements that can occur, which we should join those lawsuits because we can then have part of it. Well, like air quality standards that are, I believe there's a suit against the uh, government or the EPA for for, uh, reducing air quality standards. Right, right. There is is a, a suit right now trying to, uh, enforce the ability of the EPA to actually regulate our clean air. Yeah. Because right now we're seeing these rollbacks federally. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us in Montana like to breathe clean air, drink clean water, and not get poisoned. And that's what we need. That's what the EPA is for. And so we want them to have that regulatory authority. If you look back 100 years, everything was not as healthy as it is now. And it's because of those sorts of regulations that we've had that we need to make sure that they're enforced. Yeah, we do, of course, have our own Department of Environmental Quality, the DEQ. Um, how much do you oversee or have, what is the relation of the Attorney General, State Attorney General, to the various state agencies? The Attorney General acts as the legal advisor to some of those state agencies and the ultimate legal advocate. So you talked about the DEQ, and it's interesting because there's actually a problem going on right now in our state with illegal dumping on private lands. So we see uh, oil and gas production in North Dakota, and they have some pretty stringent guidelines about what you have to do to dispose of the waste from that. But we don't in Montana so much. So I've been told by citizens, because I'm traveling the state, I'm doing this full time, I go everywhere from Sydney to Libby to, you know, Valley County. I try to hit everywhere because we're all citizens, I want to talk to them. And I hear about a citizen who set up basically a private toxic waste disposal on his private land, applied for a permit, and now he's allowing people from North Dakota to come in and dump this toxic waste, which is seeping into the ground, you know, polluting our land, polluting our water. And his neighbors are like, we did not sign up for this when we bought our land beside this person. And yet we're seeing that this, maybe our regulations aren't being enforced as well as they could, or that more needs to be done to protect all of our quality to our clean and healthy environment, which we're guaranteed in our constitution. So in that way, the attorney general can be a chief advocate for ensuring we have clean air, clean water, and that it isn't being polluted and not harming our citizens. Yeah, you know, right here in our own area, we've had a big problem with uh, a proposed tire pit, that's how we call it. It's a, a place where you can, actually the plans were to take used tires from all over the state, in fact, even part of Wyoming, and bring them to uh, valley near here, the Paradise Valley, and just dump them in a pit. Five thousand tires a day, for you know every week. Eventually, it would be more than a couple million tires. Now there are a lot of problems, environmental problems, with that. So you have the DEQ was involved, 
uh, with you know the impact of that. But how would the attorney general? Would you be involved in something like that eventually, or where? How do you see you, at least from your perspective? You know, if you were attorney, state attorney general. Well, I think it depends, and you know, I can't say how I would be involved because it depends. The attorney general can issue advisory opinions. In that example, if somebody wanted to say question whether or not our law actually would allow that or if it would violate it, then they could request the attorney general to issue what's called an advisory opinion telling that citizen or agency what they think the law means when it's interpreted. So you're not a court, but you're pretty much providing a, a legal interpretation, an advisory opinion of the law. So that could be something that is done there. But then there are other issues that if our, if the citizens' rights were being violated the, and the attorney general had a role to protect those rights, that is one of my main priorities, protecting our rights, protecting consumers, and making sure that corporations don't benefit at our detriment. We've talked quite a bit about environmental issues, but the elephant in the room there, of course, is climate change. Now, I know you've done some, you've done some work on this. You've heard from a lot of people. What, what are you hearing? What, what, how do you feel that the state attorney general needs to deal with the issues around climate change? Well, I, I have surprisingly heard about it from everywhere I've been, actually, from people of all ages, from very old to very young. I was up in Whitefish at Whitefish Lake, and a little girl there, a nine-year-old girl, you know, pulled on my side and said, can I ask you a question? And I thought it was going to be a cute little question. So I said, yes, honey, what can, what can I do for you? And she said, looking out at the lake, she said, what is the world going to look like in 15 years? And, I'm like, oh, wow. and I said, what do you mean? And, and she said, well, I'm worried about climate change. And this is a little nine-year-old girl. And I saw, and she was very, very serious. And this is, you know, it's easy for us to be, you know, remember our childhoods and say, oh yeah, things haven't changed a lot, maybe a little bit warmer, but we're getting to a point where science is showing that things are gonna change drastically. You know, so what I told her was, there are people like me who know what science is and we believe science, and we know there's a problem and we're not gonna just ignore it because, you know, like I said, I have, four children and one is three are younger than you and one is older and I want to provide them with a positive future in our state. We live in a beautiful state. I can't tell you exactly what Whitefish Lake will look like in 15 years, but I can tell you that we're fighting for things now to make sure that we aren't allowing pollution to happen, to make sure that or corporations aren't having profits at our expense and that those who have who have lied to us or committed fraud upon us are held accountable for their actions. And as far as what the attorney general can do, First of all, I think the attorney general needs to acknowledge what science is and not choose to ignore it because science is science and facts are facts. And I think we need to look at what we can do in these multi-state litigations to deal with climate change. There's one going on right now dealing with holding ExxonMobil accountable because they committed fraud upon people by hiding evidence of climate change. They knew about the changing environment but they put their profits over the health of citizens and over the health of really our world. So they should probably be the ones who pay for the damages. And this is an ongoing lawsuit right now. So I think that the attorney general of our state with our beautiful lands should be looking at those things and how do we protect the health of our citizens? How do we make sure 
that we don't have pollution occurring? How do we make sure those bad actors who are hurting our citizens are held accountable? And that's what the Attorney General needs to do. And they need to not shy away from things, looking at what their next political step would be and worried about being worried about upsetting people when it's really the best thing for our citizens of our state because that's who our elected officials need to represent, all of them, and fight for what's right for them. So it, you, you take a, I would say, an activist point of view. I mean, to a certain extent. Anyway. I take a Montana point of view. Good. I live in Montana, and I love our waters. Mm -hmm. I know that I breathe more smoke in the summer times because of our forest fires than I used to. I know that our water levels get so low sometimes now that you can't go fishing or floating, which I love to do and which I take my kids to do. And I know that our forests are burning up, and it's costing us as taxpayers tens of millions of dollars. We actually had to create in the legislature a special revenue account just to deal with our forest fires because they were costing our state so much money. And so I think we're seeing changes like that, and those are factual changes. We don't have to talk about why it's occurring, but we need to acknowledge what's occurring and how do we solve it. And we know that our, even our farmers, they're having different growing seasons. It may be too wet for them to deal with the crops they have or too dry. And so if they can't make a livelihood, that's impacting them also. It's harming all of us. It harms us all eventually with higher food costs. We're going to have to import food from other places. We can't grow our own food. I'm a big supporter of farm-to-table food, of growing our own products, of local food production, and I want to see that the Attorney General can help with that in whatever way they can and make sure that our citizens can grow their own food if they want and provide for themselves. So I think the Attorney General has a role to take in that, and it's for all of our citizens. Good. So you're talking about a kind of, I don't know how to put it, but the way you approach problems. Because another kind of attorney general might say, that's not one of my priorities. I don't care. And therefore, we're not going to pursue this. And you, as from your perspective, is going to say, mm, that is one of my priorities, and we are going to pursue this. And that's what people are voting for, in part, when they vote for an attorney general for the state. Is that correct? I mean, that well, I, I assume that's what some people are voting for. The way I look at it is I'm doing this for the citizens of our state. I'm not doing it for me. It is not a stepping stone. It is not for my ego. I'm doing this because our citizens need to have their rights protected. They need a fighter who's been shown to actually be able to deliver real results on real problems that matter to their lives. And I can do that. I want to do that. It's my passion. I want to talk to all citizens, hear their problems, and if it's a problem for the citizen of our state, then it should be a problem for the attorney general because that individual is elected to represent all the citizens in our state. You, I don't think you should be able to pick and choose what are your issues, although we all have priorities. If, they, if it matters to the citizens of our state, then I think our elected officials need to listen to that and really advocate for all of our citizens. So yeah. on, on another subject, you mentioned that, uh, that the uh, Montana Attorney General is one of the members of the state land board. And um, being on that land board, uh, how do you feel about, oh, for instance, William Penley being in charge of uh, the acting director of BLM, considering Montana has a lot of public lands, and uh, Mr. Penley has long been an advocate for selling mm. all public lands. How do you feel that's going to work out? Are you going to Well, I don't I don't know how it will work out, but I can tell you what I think is that our public lands belong to all the citizens of our state or of our nation and the public lands should stay in public hands. 
There is no reason our public land should be sold off. I have fought against that in the legislature. Um, we actually had a law that we passed. I didn't pass it because I voted against it a few years ago where we stole state lease sites where state land may have been given at one point to the state and then they wanted to sell it. And I was against that because in my opinion, when land is, is given to the state by an individual, it is because they want the state and all the citizens to enjoy it and it shouldn't be sold off, period. So even though there were reasons to do that, I am firmly against selling our public lands for any reason. I think they belong to all of us, and I think we have a duty to keep them clean, healthy, and, you know, I, like I said, I have four kids. When they're my age, I hope that they're running around on the public lands going camping and hunting and fishing with their kids like I am. And we, that's one of the best things about our state is our outdoor traditions, the beauty of it here, the fact that we can recreate just like, you know, right out our front door. I think that we have a duty to keep our public lands that way, and I will always fight against any attempt to privatize them or to sell them off. Yeah, there's another uh, corollary issue, which is access to public lands, mm -hmm. which I know typically winds up in the courts. Is there any role for the state attorney general in those kind of issues, or at least how do you approach it? Well, there can be. I think when there's access issues, there the attorney general could possibly have to come in if there was a lawsuit dealing with access on a road or through a path. I know that there are currently some issues where people are gating roads and the attorney general actually can have an advisory role there where they can actually issue advisory opinions saying whether or not it is legal to gate these roads rather than having to engage in lawsuit, which costs us as taxpayers too much money. And so I think that we need to have clear rules in our state and that the attorney general should be an advocate for making sure those are clear and that people understand what they are. We also have an issue in our state with access when it comes to the checkerboard of public and private lands that we have. And we've tried to deal with that in the legislature by doing what's called corner crossing, where you can cross from one corner of one public parcel to the other and jump over an imaginary line, you know, so you're never on private land. Doesn't really work. In, we, we need to find, though, a way to access all of the acres, just so many acres that are our land that we can't get to. And I think the Attorney General does have a role there, helping people access their lands, making clear what easements we have to do that, and working with the Governor's Office and the you know, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks and our other agencies to deal with those issues. Very good. Obviously, I think you're, you know, painting a very clear picture that a state attorney general does and can have a very broad impact on a lot of things in the state. Did we miss anything? Any issues that you... Um, you know, one thing we haven't actually talked about, there are two things. Um, we talked about, we've been talking about environment, and actually it was Public Lands Day, uh, you know, a week or so ago. And... One of the things that we need that the Attorney General can be a very good advocate on is making sure that our, our public lands and our private lands aren't polluted. Like where I grew up in Frenchtown, we had the Smurfit Stone Container Mill site there, and it was a pulp mill, which stunk, but it provided a lot of jobs for our community. When that mill closed pretty much overnight, we lost hundreds of jobs. We lost over 100 students at the elementary and the high schools. And then the owners of the land quit paying their taxes. So the only thing the state could do at that point was acquire the 
polluted land in lieu of payment of those taxes. And to me, that was unacceptable. I knew it was hurting our fire department as well as our school because they didn't get their taxes from this tax base that they were supposed to be getting. So I pushed through a legal change that I brought everyone together on from across Coal Strip to Frenchtown and everywhere else where we allowed the government just to go after those unpaid taxes. So we held that out-of-state corporation accountable for the pollution that they were doing. And I think the Attorney General has a role there to make sure that those corporations, it comes down to protecting our citizens more, that those corporations aren't hurting our lands and our, cons and our consumers. So I think the Attorney General has an active role there. But also in criminal justice reform, where I've spent a lot of my time serving on the budget committee that I've been on. We deal with the courts, corrections, um, Public Service Commission and the Public Defender's Office. We need, that is where a lot of our money goes, corrections. And we, if we don't want to spend our tax money on building bigger prisons, then we need to be smart on crime, deal with what is causing a lot of crime, which is a lot of drug use, and really have the Attorney General be a real advocate in that regard to have be smart on crime with smart sentences, keep dangerous people behind bars, and those who aren't dangerous but can be rehabilitated through treatment that they need, then the Attorney General should be a real strong advocate of making sure we develop those treatment programs and that we do more than what we're doing now. Because what we've been doing, the rates of drug use haven't been going down, the rates of crime haven't really been going down, and the rate of violence against children and women hasn't been going down. And to me, that's unacceptable. And I think that the Attorney General needs to take a strong, active role in that, making sure our state is safe and we'll fight for all of those citizens everyone because we're all impacted and as you're making the case the state attorney general can do those things so that's correct I, have, I keep bringing this up because we're trying to reinforce that a state attorney general is an active force mm -hmm. inside of the state and uh, it's real it's an important office uh, Kim thank you very much I really appreciate the time you took to you know come in and tell us some of this um, we hope that as we get down to the primaries that we will, you know, you may have time, maybe come back. And uh, we'd like to revisit some of the issues that you've talked about. So uh, very much appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoy talking and I'd love to come back. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Dixie, I think that's, that was an interesting interview. Uh, Kim Dudick running for state attorney general, very articulate person, um, a lot of information. I hope people who listen to this really were able to not only get what she has to say about the issues, but the fact that the state attorney general is involved in a lot of things. It's an important position. Um, how did you read it? Yeah, I think it was a very good interview. I think um, I'm glad that she was able to cover a lot of different subjects and um, yeah it was very good well for those of you listening we appreciate it and uh, again this was another in our series of interviews with candidates for public office coming up uh, hopefully uh, in the primaries first and then in the general election we hope you'll go out and vote and have some understanding of who's running for what and why uh, we are emphasizing that these state offices the state attorney general the state secretary of state uh, these are important offices, and we need to take some time to think about who's running for them and why they're there and who we're in favor of. So thank you all for listening, and goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.